Hi, and welcome to the Savvy Psychologist podcast, where we meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and with the mindfulness movement in full swing and the gratitude movement gaining steam, keeping a journal is a timely and popular New Year's resolution. And it seems simple, and indeed it is simple, but today we'll cover five tips to supercharge your writing by request from listener Tom B. from Laguna Beach. Now, some call it a brain dump, some call it a careful archive of their life, I call it forced introspection. Whatever you call it, keeping a diary or a journal can be a powerful exercise. Journaling has no rules. Do it when, where, and how you like. But consider these five tips to help make your journal the best expression of you. Tip number one, tell your journal the stuff you've never told anyone. In 1986, doctors James Pennebaker and Sandra Beale published a now-classic study that seemed too good to be true. In the study, they asked a group of students to write for 15 minutes over four consecutive days about a traumatic event in their life. Other students were asked to write for the same amount of time, over the same days, but about trivial topics, like a description of their living room or the shoes they were wearing. Now, right after the writing, the participants who wrote about traumatic events had slightly higher blood pressure and a slightly lousier mood than those who wrote about trivial topics. But six months following the writing, the trauma writers reported better health and, in an objective result, logged fewer visits to the student health center. Of course, since then, hundreds of follow-up studies have tried to get the same result, and many have but some haven't. So finding the magic of how and why has left scientists as confused as a goat on AstroTurf. But along the way, researchers have found that you don't necessarily need to write about a trauma to experience the health benefits. Other studies have had people write about current major issues in their lives, positive experiences, even other people's traumas. So it's unclear exactly what the secret sauce is, though there are some clues. Which brings us to tip number two. Reflect, don't vent. Now, in trying to answer the $64,000 question about how and why this works, researchers have found that venting, raging or ruminating without any kind of processing, not only doesn't make people healthier, it makes them feel worse. However, when journal entries evolve, moving from raw to reflection, the writer experiences more of the health benefits. In other words, when, over multiple writing sessions, the writer moves from unstructured emotion to a story with a beginning, middle, and an end, the process is more effective. The development of good old-fashioned narrative structure seems to be a key component to reaping the benefits of writing. That said, don't worry if there are days your journal entry consists entirely of obscenities scrawled across both pages in thick black marker. That happens to the best of us. Tip number three, be true to your own emotional style. UCLA researcher Dr. Annette Stanton and colleagues published a study in 2013 that looked at what happens when someone pours his heart and soul into a journal. Turns out, it depends on the personality of who's doing the pouring. Now, in the study, participants were given a questionnaire that measured their degree of emotional expression, with items like, people can tell from my facial expressions how I'm feeling, or when I'm angry, people around me usually know. Then, 
some of the participants were asked to spend four 20-minute sessions writing about the most stressful thing that had happened to them in the last five years. The folks who were naturally high in expressiveness, the ones who wear their hearts on their sleeves, experienced a significant reduction in anxiety three months after writing. But participants who were low in expressiveness, those who didn't naturally express feelings or come about it easily, experienced a significant increase in anxiety. Pouring out their hearts backfired. So if you're naturally the strong, silent type, don't force yourself to let it all hang out. It's not your style. And that's just fine. Tip number four. Remember that journaling is more about the process than the outcome. Unless you're a teenage girl in Amsterdam hiding from the Nazis, or a young naturalist on the voyage of the Beagle, your journal will probably never be published, let alone find a place in the canon. So don't agonize over churning out clever turns of phrase, gorgeous imagery, or even proper grammar, unless, of course, it makes you happy. Instead, think of journaling as a process, not the written product. Now, getting words on paper forces you to process your thoughts and feelings to the point where you can articulate them into language. And that process is the real work and point of journaling. And last, tip number five, write when you want, how you want. Now, there are purists out there who swear a journal just isn't a journal if it's on your laptop rather than on paper. And there are others who swear you have to do it every day to make it worthwhile. I say do what works for you. If you get a sense of continuity and discipline from writing every day, great. But if you see it as a chore, don't worry about it. Write when you feel the need. Regarding Medium, use the same principle. Do what works for you. Using an app or a document on your laptop gains the advantage of easy editing and password protection. Or use a 99-cent spiral-bound notebook or a leather-bound tome and a quill pen. You can even unleash your inner exhibitionist and journal on a public blog. Basically, do whatever makes the words appear before you. Your journal is to document your journey. And unless your last name is Lewis or Clark, writing about your journey is for your eyes and your health only. If The Savvy Psychologist is helpful to you, please consider nominating the podcast for the 10th Annual People's Podcast Awards. And you can nominate your other favorite Quick and Dirty Tips podcast as well while you're there. Just go to podcastawards.com, which is easy enough to remember, and nominate The Savvy Psychologist in whatever category you see fit. Though, may I suggest either the education or the health and fitness category. They'll ask you for the URL, which is the one you always hear me say, quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. And thanks so much in advance for all your support. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and next week we'll cover the difference between nightmares and night terrors and what to do about each. In the meantime, a transcript of the episode, references for the studies I mentioned, and the growing archives are always available on quickanddirtytips.com slash savvy hyphen psychologist. And I always have to say, the savvy psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and doesn't substitute for mental health care from a licensed professional. Thank you again. See you next week for a happier, healthier mind.